Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Most of us have heard, or even read about, the famous parable given to us by Jesus of the prodigal son. However, have you ever truly considered how you might be a prodigal son or daughter of your Heavenly Father? Let's open to Luke 15 and start in verse 11 and see what areas of our lives we might be living like a prodigal son or daughter of our Father in Heaven. Well, good morning. It's a Thursday here in Texas, and uh, I think it's May 21st. It's been three weeks since the last teaching. Hopefully everyone is doing well and uh, going into the new stages of this coronavirus pandemic and the opening up stages. And uh, we just we want to continue to see where Jesus is in all of it. You know, where is the Lord you know, now we've talked a lot about it in every teaching. We've seemingly brought it up, um, but uh, we we consistently want to we want to see where Jesus is in every situation of our lives. The the deeper our relationship with Jesus, the more involved we'll want Him to be in all things. We're called to be disciples of Jesus, disciplined followers of Jesus who who know him more and more intimately, walk with him um, more obediently and, and experience his love in our lives more and more and, and certainly um, labor to love him more and more and more and, and all that goes into that. The last three weeks, I think it's been three, it could be two, but um, I've been studying and teaching Bible study on the prodigal son a lot. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son, it's in Luke 15. All of Luke 15, for those who don't know, is just three parables. It's a very, it's a long chapter, and it's it's three parables. The first two parables are very short parables: the parable of the lost sheep, and then the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. We can see a progression in the parables, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. What I found as I've studied this is that um, I believe, frankly, and I, I say this humbly, that we have, we have for the most part, misinterpreted the parable. Uh, as I think we, we, we do many parables, but the vast majority of the teaching I see on this parable, I, I think, is, is not the primary purpose of the parable. Um, generally, when you hear the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, you hear a salvation message about coming home to God. And certainly, you can see elements of that in here. But I think what we're going to find is that the prodigal son is, is not about an unbeliever coming to salvation in Christ. Although certainly, if you are an unbeliever, we, we do want you to come to salvation in Christ before this podcast ends. But the prodigal son, I think we're going to see, is certainly about a believer, actually about two believers, because the story is about two sons, 
and about how our Heavenly Father deals with them. And so as in all things, we want to, you know, we want to follow our guidelines. We always ask, why is this in the Bible? In Romans 15, 4, that says everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or to instruct us. It's not just here as a good story. And this is a very famous parable, one of the most famous parables in the Bible, right? In the world, in history, the parable of the prodigal son. As Christians, almost all of us have heard this or read this. But as I said, I think our perspective on it has been, um, has been for the most part incorrect. And so hopefully, in, uh, I've studied this a lot lately. I've spent a lot of time in this parable, several Bible studies. I don't know if it's four or five or six Bible studies in a different manner going through it and talking about it and chewing on it. And again, um, it's, it's overwhelming, the fullness of it. And, uh, and, and what we're going to see is that, that you and I are the prodigal son, that there are areas of the prodigal son in all of our lives. And the reason it's in the Bible, like almost everything else is in the Bible, is it's for us, is we want to examine ourselves and see what aspects of our life are we living like the prodigal son has. We're going to go ahead and pray and invite Jesus into our time, and uh, we'll get rolling. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and grace. We thank you that we have the Word of God. We thank you for this very famous teaching and, and parable called the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. And uh, Father, we just, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving us. We thank you that you long for us to come home to you in the areas of our life where we've been a prodigal. Father, we commit this time into your hands. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're in Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. So we're going to go ahead and read it. I don't know how far we'll get today. Um, I know we won't finish the whole thing. Verses 11 to 24 is going to speak about the younger son. And we're going to see ourselves in that. And then uh, 25 to 32 will, will be about the older son. And we'll see ourselves in that. And again, we're going to have a picture of our Heavenly Father in all of this. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. 
So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When we come to the parable again, you want to look at who the characters of the parable are, right? And there's three primary characters, the two sons and the father. Um, quickly, we should identify that, again, why is this in the Bible? Um, it's in here to teach us, to instruct us, Romans 15, 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, and 11. It's, it's written down as an example to us. So in the, prod in the, uh, in the story of the prodigal son, in this parable, the, the two sons represent you and I, all of us. Okay, We are the sons. Obviously, the, the father represents our heavenly father. So, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Now, notice that they're already sons. The only way to become a son or a daughter of God is through Jesus Christ. You're not a son of God unless you're already saved. The only way that God is your father is if you've received Jesus Christ as your savior. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only in Jesus that God becomes our Father. And so, if you haven't received Jesus Christ today, go, go ahead and do it now. Just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I, I confess I'm a sinful person. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you're alive and risen. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me into relationship with God as my Father, that I might know him as my Heavenly Father. I place all my faith and trust in you, Jesus, alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Now, when you, when you pray this prayer, when you come to know your need of Jesus and when you receive him, you become a son or a daughter of God. God becomes your heavenly Father. God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. 
And in this parable, these sons are already saved. They already live with their father. They're already in the kingdom of God. And so the parable, and I'm going to say boldly, is not designed for an unbeliever. The parable is made for believers, pretty much like everything in the Bible. The irony is, is if this parable is about an unbeliever, it has very little relevance at all to us as believers. We can almost say, we can almost wipe our head and say, my goodness, I'm glad this has nothing to do with me because I'm already saved. I'm already in the kingdom of God. I'm not a prodigal son. And so the, the problem with that is, again, why would Jesus put something in the Bible that has literally no application to us unless we're unsaved? If you think about it, it's very rare, very rare that an unbeliever would pick up the Bible. Very few unbelievers read the Bible. But if this is for an unbeliever, then its primary purpose would be, wow. So if an unbeliever picks up the Bible and happens to come here to Luke 15 and reads this story and somehow would have the revelation that, wow, um, I'm a prodigal son. I need to get saved. Uh, I've never heard that happening. So the story is written for believers. Now, in teaching it, we can, I can see a place where we can use it um, as a tool to lead someone to Christ. But that's not its primary purpose. And, and uh, I don't believe Jesus would have us to use it as its primary purpose. Its primary purpose is to believers now, a second mistake I think we make in this parable is that we, we, we believe that the prodigal only applies, number one, to a non-believer. But if it is going to apply to a believer, then it, it's applying to some, a believer that's gone off the reservation. That, that this prodigal, and it, you know, the, the prodigal does. So this, it only can apply to a, a Christian who has just completely abandoned their faith, has stopped going to church entirely, has given themselves over to the world. Um, this son uh, was hiring prostitutes with his father's money. And so even in this, we don't see any application for us. And again, I think that this is a, an equally big mistake when approaching this parable. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son is for all of us as believers. I think we're going to find that all of us have elements of the prodigal son in our lives today. I think we have elements of the older son today. So verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. Remember, Jesus, this is a parable. He made it up as a teaching for us so that we would be instructed about it. And they're already sons. They already live with their father. All of these are elements that accompany salvation when someone is already saved. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a sh my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So the younger son is able to go to his father and make requests, as are we today. And you notice the younger son, while his father's still alive, asked for his share of the estate, or other versions say his inheritance. And it says his father gives it to him. It says, so he divided his property between them. So again, father, give me my share of the estate or his inheritance. We all have an inheritance from our heavenly father, but normally 
the majority of us think that we're going to get that inheritance in heaven. And certainly we will have an inheritance in heaven. Going to heaven, your inheritance in heaven is going to be given you or receiving heaven is based entirely on what Jesus has done. As far as you going to heaven and spending eternity in heaven. But you're also going to have an inheritance based on how you lived your life here. This inheritance, though, also represents what we have in this life. We have an inheritance also given us for this life. Like the younger son, our heavenly father has given us a share of our estate or our inheritance in this life. And he's given it to us. And why has he done that? What would be the purpose of our father in giving us an inheritance while we're still alive? Again, this son has given his inheritance while he's alive. So was the, the older son. It says he divided his property between his two sons. We're going to open that up and, and see what the purpose of that is. But just be thinking, your, your heavenly father is giving you an inheritance. What is the inheritance he's given you for this life? Well, he's given you your time as an inheritance. He's given you your talents, your gifts and talents as an inheritance. You didn't earn them. He's given you your treasure, right? Everything you have belongs to Jesus. But he's given you your time, your talents, your treasures as an inheritance, right? We've all been gifted by our Heavenly Father in different ways. What is the purpose that we have this inheritance? We have heavenly gifts from God. We have insight. We have revelation. We are owned by Jesus. We're called to be slaves of Christ. Um, our Heavenly Father owns us. We've been bought and paid for and redeemed by Jesus and his blood. But um, there are people who are listening to this who, who I know to be substantially gifted in, in their gifts and their talents and their intellect. People who are substantially gifted by God and blessed with meaningful amounts of treasure, financially and otherwise. And all of us have been given our time as an inheritance. We have so much time on this earth. And uh, we don't know how much time we're given. Today could be the last day of our life on this earth. We've inherited a certain amount of time from our father. And he's going to decide what that is. Ecclesiastes 3 said there's a time to live and a time to die. Our heavenly father knows the day of our death. And so you've only been given so much time. You've also been given gifts and talents in this life. All of these are an inheritance from your heavenly father. And why has he given them to you? Have you been given this heavenly inheritance so that you can advance your own agenda? Have I been given this heavenly inheritance so I can use it to my own ends, my own selfish desires? Obviously not. So the inheritance we've been given in this life We've been given it, our Father has given it to us, obviously for his purposes, so that we would use our time, talents, and treasure in the advancement of his kingdom and his interests and his cause. But maybe we're, we're all a little bit like the prodigal in many ways. Maybe we have taken our Father's estate. Maybe we've taken our Father's inheritance 
And perhaps we've used it to our own ends, for our own desires, for our own interests, for our own pleasures. Perhaps we've used our inheritance in ways that that are not agreeable to our Father. Verse 13. Not long after that, not long after he got his inheritance, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, all his father's gifts, talents, treasures, all his inheritance, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. It says wild living here. At the end of the parable, we see that the, the older son confirms that, that he had spent his father's inheritance on prostitutes. Think about the weight of that and think about why would Jesus say that? I mean, this is supposed to be a holy Bible, Lord. Why would you use such a vulgar analogy? Jesus made up this story to teach us. Why couldn't he say like something? Why does he have to use such a, a heavy, harsh example? This is a story. Jesus could have created it any way he wanted it to teach us. But he uses this heavy term, squandered your inheritance with prostitutes. And perhaps Jesus wants us to see that, that there are times that we indeed prostitute the things of God, the things of our Father. How do we prostitute our inheritance? How do we misuse our inheritance like the prodigal has? We're not saying very few of us have gone out, although, you know, we've all made different mistakes at different levels. And all of us, we're going to see the mercy of the Father in this, right? As believers, we have prostituted our time, talent, and treasures. And we've used them in worldly ways, in selfish ways, in self-consuming ways. And we can all recognize this in ourselves. If we examine ourselves, um, we have all consistently used our time in ways that's not pleasing to our Father. We've all used our gifts and talents in ways that advance our own agenda and our own desires and our own means that often we know are not consistent with the kingdom of God or our Heavenly Father. And we've certainly used our money in ways that, uh, you know, that we know haven't altogether been right. Now, what am I saying? We're not talking about religion here. We're not saying that you can't enjoy a movie. We're not saying you can't watch Netflix, right? But maybe if you watch five hours a day, it's too much, right? Maybe that's not, or certainly it's not, a consistently good use of the time your Heavenly Father's given you. I mean, think about it. You've been given so much time in this earth to use. Do you think at the end of your life, You'll be excited that you used five hours a day, six days a week for 20 years on Netflix. You'll probably regret that at some point. Now, I'm not saying it's not okay to watch a movie. I'm not saying it's not okay to watch a series and stuff like that. But we do, we do want to look and say, man, I have an inheritance of time. And I do want to use it more and more and just in concert with my heavenly father and his will and his ways and his kingdom. And the same with my gifts and talents. I've been given gifts and talents and 
How do I use them? Do I only use them for the advancement of my own concerns, my own cause, my own career? Um, there are people listening to this that are extremely gifted and talented. How much of those gifts do you use for the advancement of your own cause, your own career? And how much do you use in the advancement of the kingdom of God and advancing the cause of Christ? People listening to this and who do listen to this, who are minds are so sharp, I can't even understand some of the things they say. I can't even grasp it. And they will uh, lovingly explain things to me in ways that I can't understand. But these immense gifts and talents, the primary reason they're given to you is that they would be used in the ways and interests of your heavenly father. That's why it's his inheritance. We didn't earn it. In what ways today are we squandering our inheritance in wild living or worldly living or just in things that have no concern for our Heavenly Father whatsoever, that we don't even consider him? When I talk to the different guys, when we use our, our, our finances and our income, and it's okay if you know the Lord is not against us having houses or cars or all these things, but... We ought to take time. If we're going to go and buy a new car, we want to, you know, so Jesus, what's your heart on this matter? What are, you, what are your feelings on this matter, right? If we're selling our car, Nathan, you know, we, uh, we may want to consider, you know, how does the Lord want me to manage this? How does the Lord want me to treat Angie? Um, what is the Lord's heart in this? I was talking to a brother of mine, Nathan, and uh, you know he had a, an incredible testimony. He has an incredible testimony on how he was selling his car, and he and he saw how you know he just wanted to get rid of it and get the price he wanted for it. And then the Lord convicted him that you know what, um, and the Lord showed him grace with a with a buyer, um, and he didn't have to do it, but he went out and uh, and 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 replaced some things, and he put new tires on it. And he didn't charge any more for the car. And he really experienced the mercy of Jesus and intimacy with Jesus that he would not have if he had not really wanted to, to do this in the right way. And it's, a, it's an incredible testimony because, he again, just like all of us, if we're selling our car, you put it on Craigslist, whatever your way of selling it is, all you want to do is get your price. You don't want to put any more money into it. <laughs> Seriously, right? Um but he repented of that, and uh, the Lord gave him a buyer that really convicted him that he wanted to uh, to sell this car that the Lord had allowed him to have, and it served him quite well for many years. And uh, it really blessed me, buddy. So uh, that's uh, that's a good testimony. Let's let's do more things like that, right? That's an area of repenting of an area of a prodigal, right? He was. He was using his father's inheritance. His father had given him this car, right? Nothing we have belongs to us. And yet he was kind of tired of it, just want to get rid of it. That's the areas where, that's one area where we have been a prodigal, where Nathan was a prodigal. But he, but he came home to his father. He came to his senses, right? Verse 17, when he came to his senses, Nathan came to his senses, and uh, and the entire transaction was done in a way that his heavenly father would have it done, where before that he was just doing it in a worldly way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Revelation 12, 11, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's always Jesus first. You always overcome anything. You always succeed in anything by the blood of the lamb first, by Jesus. But then there's the word of your testimony. And that's you testifying to what Jesus has done in your life, moment by moment, day by day. So keep testifying to these things. It's a good testimony, Nathan. Where are we? Well, I guess we'll just go to verse 16 for this teaching. And then next time we'll pick up from there. Maybe I'll start 17. We'll see. How long has this been? It's 28 minutes. Golly, where's the time go, Lord? You notice that the prodigal went to a distant country to squander his wealth. Why is it as believers when we want to do self-serving things, self-consuming things, why is it when we want to do things for our own pleasure that we know are not consistent with the kingdom of God or the word of God or the heart of our father? Why is it we always want to go to a distant country? There are certain sinful acts in words and thoughts in deeds that all of us know as men and women what they are, that we don't want to do them in the presence of other, other believers or even in the presence of our Father, right? There are certain things, certain sinful acts, certain self-serving pleasures that we do, even as believers, regrettably, but we don't do them with worship music on. We don't have our Bible open. And I'll let you examine your own heart to see what those things are. But there are things when we want to engage in worldly, selfish, fleshly practices that we certainly want to go to a distant country. Even as sons of God, when we use our inheritance in a way that's not pleasing to our Father, we don't want to do it in His presence, do we? Now, obviously, we can't escape His presence, but we try not to think about Him at the same time we're indulging our fleshly pleasures, right? So he goes to a distant country to squander his inheritance. And certainly we can see that in our lives when we want to squander the inheritance of our Heavenly Father. We don't like, again, we don't like doing it in the presence of other believers or uh, just while thinking about him. We generally not thinking and have our minds filled with Jesus while we're living in sinful disobedience. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. If we, if we continue deliberately, unrepentantly, living as a prodigal, misusing our time, talents, and treasures, know this, a famine is coming. And the more we deliberately continue to use our father's inheritance in self-serving ways, the more severe the famine will be. Obviously, this prodigal did go off the reservation, and eventually the inheritance runs out. After he had spent everything, all his inheritance is gone now. Our heavenly father will allow us, he will allow us to use our inheritance in ways that are not pleasing to him, but he won't do it forever. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. And if you're listening now, and all of us perhaps have areas of famine in our lives. Maybe you have famine spiritually. Maybe you have famine physically. Maybe it's emotionally. 
Maybe you have some financial famine. Maybe there's some relational famine, right? And, and famine just represents hardship and difficulty. Wherever there's famine in our lives, perhaps we want to examine ourselves and say, you know, where, where, where am I a prodigal in this? You're a son or daughter of God. You're saved. You know Jesus. But, you know, maybe your father, maybe there's famine in your language. Maybe you're careless in your language, whether it's foul language or just insincere speech or casual cavalier speech. There's just so many different areas when I examine my own life that I can see elements of a prodigal. Elements where I'm a little careless in how I'm using my time, talents, and treasures. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. Because you see, he left the kingdom of God. He went out from under his father's covering. That's what we always do when we want to, when we want to use our inheritance to our own ends, our own selfish ends. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. Now, right at this moment, he should have repented. Any place you see famine in your life, examine yourself. When the Holy Spirit shows you, just say, Holy Spirit, thank you. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. You're just convicted. And run home to your father and say, Father, help me. I am sorry. I, I'm wrong in this. I ask you to forgive me. Be quick to repent. Repentance, as I've said over and over and over, is the greatest tool in a believer's toolbox. Jesus understands that we make mistakes. He really does. But the issue is when we refuse to repent. Let's be quick to repent. He should repent right here. But instead, we're going to have verses 15 and 16. Instead, he's going to take a detour. Right now, the inheritance is gone. He finds himself in need. He should have ran back home. And that's what we can do today. That's what we need to do today. But the vast majority of us, we, we won't do that. We're going to find that he's going to go off and try to rectify the situation in the world. Instead of just going home to his father, instead of repenting, right now, he's going to try to make things right first by utilizing all that the world has. And how often do we do that? When we've made mistakes... As Christians, when we've made mistakes in the church, when, when we failed, and all of us have, we just want to be quick to repent. Just go to your father, you know, um, go to your brothers and sisters and say, I'm sorry, I've messed it up. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. It's so hard for us to do because we're ashamed and we feel guilty and we feel pride and none of these things are of God. Shame, guilt, and condemnation are never from your heavenly father. They're never from Jesus, and they're never from the Holy Spirit. That's always from your flesh or the enemy. So did you hear me say that? If you ever feel shame, condemnation, and guilt, which most of us do, those are never from God. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Never shame, never condemnation, and never guilt. He brings conviction, and with conviction comes joy because it's a, a revelation. Man, I am missing it. I am misusing my inheritance in this way. And you're convicted and you go to your father and you repent like this prodigal is going to do starting in verse 17. 
But he makes a detour first. Everything runs out, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Why, 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 Father, do I so consistently got to try to make things right by going to the world? Why don't I just quickly run back to you? Why do I consistently detour trying to rectify things by using the world in its ways? So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. How many times have we gone and hired ourselves out as believers unnecessarily because we were just ashamed or we were embarrassed or we just didn't want to repent? So we do everything we can to try to make things right, utilizing the world and its ways and its systems. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. You're a son of God today. You're a daughter of God. You don't need to go to the world. We make mistakes. Let's run back to our father. Let's not be. Let's, we can stop doing verses 15 and 16. You're a child of God. God is your father. He loves you. He wants to put this robe on you. Just come home today, whatever it is, small or big. It, it, it doesn't have to be some massive area. Again, I said we've misused this parable because we only look at the prodigal as someone who's gone way off the rails in their Christianity. No, 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 no. We all have elements of the prodigal. And we can all come home today and need to repent today for where we have misused our time, talents, and treasures. And all of us have done it in different levels. Yes, some have gone way off the reservation and you need to come home. But there's some who are just some, some small things, but they're important. Areas the Holy Spirit will convict you. You know what? You want to start using your gifts and talents a little more today, ladies, in the advancement of the kingdom of God and not just for the interests of your own lives your own families, your own children, your own parents, or what have you, but for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He should have went back to his father in his fields. He should have immediately went back to his father's kingdom right here. But instead, he tries this alternative and hires himself out to a citizen of that country. And that's what we do. And I'm telling you, it's not long before we're with the pigs. It never works. It will never work. Wherever we are today, in whatever the situation, just go back to Jesus, whether it's large or small. Because all that's going to happen when you go to the world is the world is going to send you to the pigs. And then when you get to the pigs, it's not going to be very pleasant. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But listen to this, but no one gave him anything. The world is not a merciful master. The world will put you in bigger bondage, bigger slavery. Your father is longing for you to come home. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating. You see, whatever salary he was getting, whatever, whatever, whatever his salary was that he hired himself out for, it wasn't even enough to feed himself. 
When we go to the world, when we hire ourselves out to the world, we will starve. He's with the pigs. We'll be with the pigs when we, when we don't want to be in our father's house and do things in his way and in the way of the kingdom of God. You'll be starving. You'll be withering. And it says, but no one gave him anything. The world is a merciless master. And yet we consistently try to utilize it to our own ends. I know I do, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to repent where I, where I do this. Lord, help us to know that we don't have to live with the pigs. Um, we don't have to just, again, he goes to the world and what he gets in return is just not only living with the pigs, even wanting to eat what the pigs were eating, but he didn't even get that. We will be stripped of everything when we go to the world. But in our heavenly father's house, when we will live as children in his house, when we'll repent of these things, we'll know the blessing and peace and comfort of our heavenly father. You don't really get anything when you go to the world. The pleasures are, are momentary, but it's not long before there's a famine. And when there's a famine in your life, if there's a famine today in any of those areas, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, run to your father. We're going to stop there, but verse 17 is, is, the, is the best six words in all of this. When he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us to come to our senses today. I ask you to show us, Lord, with conviction that we might have joy, that we might have new eyes to see today where, you know what, this prodigal really is about me. That's why Jesus said it is because I have areas in my life where I'm not using my heavenly father's inheritance in ways that are pleasing to him. I have, I'm often using my inheritance and my time and my gifts and talents and treasures in ways that are, that are self-serving. Lord Jesus, help me today. Help us one and all to come to our senses in any and all ways that we're living as a prodigal, big or small. Help us, Lord, to, to remember the goodness of our Heavenly Father and to know, Lord, that, that you're longing for us to come home in every aspect of the prodigal that lives in me, that lives in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and goodness. Help us to come to our senses. Verse 17, when he came to his senses. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this incredible, overwhelming parable, this scripture, the word of the living God given us that we might come home to you this day, one and all. Lord, forgive us when we think this is for everyone else. Forgive us when we'll say, if you're here today and you're like this. This is, not, this is not for if. This is for everyone who hears this. It has application to you and to me. Not just for some few who aren't saved. As I said, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior or God is not your Father, well, go back to the beginning of this podcast and, and receive Jesus as your Savior. And you will come into the family of God. 
And obviously, if, if you have gone way off the reservation and you've just completely walked away from your Christianity, then come home. But for all the rest of us, let's examine the aspects where we truly have areas of prodigal in our lives today. Areas where we're not using our time, talents, and treasures really as our Father would have us to, or certainly in the measure that he would have us to. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands this day. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.